0: Welcome back to MMA, BJJ, and Life. We're going to talk some MMA tonight. We're going to talk some NBA tonight. And we're going to be talking about what's gone down with Willie at Ranch 99 Market. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, (laughs) along with my co-host, Dr. Will Wu, the professor of motion control and learning. And our heavy metal bass playing nurse, Nick Cazzono.
1: How's it going, brothers? It's going quite nicely. Especially, what do you think, Nick, of DJ's outfit this evening? (laughs) Almost, in all honesty, I think I've seen LeBron wearing that outfit before. Is that a a sign of things to come?
0: No, no, I'm trying to do Florida's uh, incarnation of Boogie Cousins. Uh, (laughs) okay but yes LeBron James is my favorite player so if anybody wants to send me even a LeBron James keychain I'll be super excited (laughs) or refrigerator magnet
2: (laughs) laws of attraction you know you just just, think it (laughs) you, you wear it and it will That's, it will come. It I will happen. Know. I need eventually. to get out on the court, man,
0: and channel my inner LeBron. <laughs> it's been like a year since I've been out on a basketball court. But uh, welcome back to MMA BJJ and Life. It's an exciting week. We have uh, some things to talk about. Uh, we were – and we still have some software issues to work through. So we will review um, UFC 255, talk about those fights. We're going to talk some uh, NBA free agency – and I'm going to ask Will uh, during that the very important question that was posed on Twitter that I think is absolutely ridiculous is like the thought of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo coming to the Lakers. I will argue why I don't want anybody like Giannis Antetokounmpo or Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant or any amazing player joining LeBron in AD, and I'll detail why. Will will tell me either he's agrees with me or he thinks I'm an idiot, and Nick will go, oh wow, I gotta start paying attention to the NBA. So anyway, a whole lot of work, man. <laughs> it is, but it's it's so it's so much fun. It really is so much fun. Uh, so yeah, we'll talk a little free agency, and while we also want to talk about something that I didn't get to discuss, uh, we won't get to play for you today. But it is the Dave Chang podcast. I know, so you're like. Why would these guys on MMA BJJ and Life want to discuss another podcast? And the very simple answer why we would do that, Will, is?
1: Because it's damn fun, at least their podcast. Well, tell it's everybody awesome. who Dave Chang is.
0: It's awesome. So Chef Dave Chang is a Korean chef. I think uh, the his uh, principal restaurant, of which I believe he owns many, is <coughs> Momofuku. Momofuku. Right. Oh, so see, Nick knows what's up. Because we're all foodies to some degree uh, on this show. And Dave has a podcast where it is him, Chris Ying, who I believe is a food writer, uh, an amateur chef. I don't know that he's a professional chef. He might have been to culinary school. And some supercomputer guy named Isaac who's Japanese. So they have a Korean guy, Chinese guy, Japanese guy, and they are so funny.
1: And we, Well, we have a Jewish guy. I know. We got a <laughs> Japanese guy, and then we got a Chinese-Mexican guy. <laughs> that's what,
2: that's what's up.
1: I think we got them beat. D- you know, what do you think? You that's more New legit. York than David Chang. Uh, I think we got them beat.
0: And what Dave says is like, I mean, if I understand it correctly, Will will correct me if I'm not, if I'm wrong, but – one would think that if I were to walk into Ranch 99 Market, they would treat me a certain way. But then if Nick comes in behind me uh, as the next in line is a Japanese American, they would treat him a certain way. And then Will would come in behind both of us and Will actually speaks Chinese. And Very I, and, and I, the truth is, is that they would treat all three of us like absolute crap. Right, Will? <laughs>
1: I, you know, I I think Nick is gonna get treated very similarly to how I would be treated, mm-hmm. but you, DJ, you are gonna take all of their energy. You'll get a little you'll get a little bit of kindness, right a little bit of kindness, a little bit of customer service, but that little bit you get will take all of their energy. And so if Nick and I are behind you, we are screwed.
2: We're oh, getting we're screwed, like
1: yeah. we're getting like cigarette ashes on our yeah. on our fresh fish, <laughs> right? Okay, we're well, getting that kind well, of. They're we're cutting getting it up kind of. their fillet. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. talking
0: about. He goes over to the guys and he goes, "Hey, could you uh could you please fillet this black cod for me?" And the guys look at him and go, "Like what the fuck, man? It's eight thirty. I just got here. There's one right over there." <laughs> that's already kind of so it's just so funny man we're going to play that for the audience once we get around to it but I'm sure you've had some great experiences in in H Mart and Ranch 99 (laughs) etc. Oh yeah
1: there's people always people might just think of them as Asian supermarkets but like they were saying in the Dave Chang podcast there's so there's such a big divide cultural difference within those with how they treat you and how they're set up and what the feel is like, um, you know, well, they, obviously what their food is. Um, <laughs> but oh, they're not all the same. They're not all the same. There's a culture within the culture.
0: Oh yeah. And it's um, it's, he just said he like, as a guy moving there from New York uh, and, and he grew up in the tri-state area, just how amazing it is to be in Southern California and have access to all these incredible Rest, uh, excuse me. These incredible Asian markets. Something. Thank God I get to live in Irvine for three years and experience it myself. Uh, but as a chef like Dave Chang, and when you when you <laughs> hear him talk about this dish, that he's sure. Um, I think he's in like Shanghai, and he goes, "Oh yeah, that's a that's a Korean dish," and they're like, "Oh no, it's not," and they go. No, it, it's no, this is a Chinese dish, and he's like, No, no, this is Korean. And literally, the guy that he was with took him to the restaurant where they invented that dish. <laughs> <laughs> but the way he tells the story, the way he spins the yarn is just like 8,000 times funnier than how I'm relaying it to you. So,
1: while trying to look like LeBron James,
0: yeah, <laughs> while trying to look like Boogie
1: Cousins. Oh, sorry. <laughs>
0: yeah, anyway. We'll get to NBA later, though, because we'll get uh, we'll get your thoughts on a couple of these free agent moves. And we'll also discuss this blockbuster team thing, which I am 100 percent against. But let's go with UFC 255 uh, this weekend. Uh, Figueredo versus. Um, uh, let me get Eric my... Perez. Eric, Alex Perez. Alex Perez. Yeah, actually Moreno is next because they're going to fight in three weeks, but we haven't got there yet. Oh, got it. Crazy. So uh, Davison Figueiredo goes, uh, he comes out first round, um, came out, switched stances a little bit because he saw Formiga's leg get tore up by Alex Perez. And um, Alex Perez gets in on a single. And after this single leg, um, he ends up elevating that leg way high up in the air, and I'll let you take it, Will. So go ahead and uh, actually, Nick. We haven't heard that much from Nick. So Nick, did you see the fight?
2: I did. I forgot. I don't really. I don't. Remember he drops the down.
0: He's going for basically like an X guard sweep. Is that? No. A before right? you go no, there, no, before you, you go, okay, before go ahead,
1: he, before he drops down, you got to talk about the single. Do you remember the single, Nick? Goes for a single. And then he elevates the leg, like you say, DJ. Right? So it's his basically his foot is a little higher than his head, even with his head. And then I don't know, this one might have been during, I don't know, you were messaging or something, but DJ almost kind of predicted what's happening. He was like, all right, look, well, she's gonna chop down on the other leg. So he kicks the other leg. And then after he kicks the other leg, Figueredo drops down and it looks like he's going for a leg it's or right some here. kind of lower leg um, entanglement mm-hmm. a submission setup, And <clears throat> all, all breaks loose from there. But before that, I was thinking, wow, I like that version of the single because you could do – I don't think there's no – there are no rules around how you attack the knee, right,
0: no, in UFC? No, absolutely not. No, you, you can, can attack f- it any you way you want. You can break the knee just the way that you couldn't in IBJJF. You absolutely can.
1: Well, you can no, I'm talking when they're still on their feet. When he has the single and he's chopping on the support leg mm-hmm. or he kicks the support yeah, leg you, you, Yeah, you can to, manipulate you to can finish the takedown. You want to do. Yeah, so you yeah. can do so I was I saw that and I go, Whoa, you could do a ton of damage mm-hmm. uh, to that support leg in many different ways. He only kicked it once. I thought the serious, you know, mean kind of gangster way to do it would just be to just rip that knee that that support leg apart, right? If he continues to fight it. Um, but then if like it's inter- Jones
2: like, yeah. like push kick or something to the knee, yeah. that'd be nasty.
1: Oh my gosh. Like just you just see the replay Nick, and there's many things that you can you can do to injure the support leg if if he if he tries to resist the single leg or resist the takedown. Action pack, what is that a minute and a half that that fight lasted? Probably. It's like a minute and a half, but there was a ton of action going on. So he doesn't get the single. Uh, Figuero drops down, and then what happens, DJ?
0: So he drops down, and then you see that um, he basically he, he bails on what the leg submission that he's trying to do. It looks like he's going to go for a knee bar. He bails on that. Um, Fig, uh, Alex Perez turns into him, and as he turns into him, um, Figueiredo pushes his head down. Reaches over, turns the way that... Well, first
2: he turtles. He turtles before that. He goes into turtle, Figueroa. Oh, yeah, he did go him. into
0: turtle. He took his back, but then but then he turned, and then actually uh, Perez... Oh, he... Perez spun him, and then instead he turned the way that, that Perez didn't think so, and he laced his arm over, and basically he's in a, a guillotine position, almost like from half guard, or from guard. But he doesn't, his guard's open. Does that sound right?
2: Yeah. Kind of, yeah. I mean, he he baits, Figueroa goes into Turtle to bait him into the guillotine. I think Perez tried to either take the back or try to come forward, and he exposes his head, and so Figueroa, yeah, he kind of like wraps around. I think he tries to take his back from Turtle, but then he, Figueroa wraps his arm around his neck and then like switches and faces him perez and then he has this guillotine it's almost like um a gary tonin type guillotine that he used i think in the uh 80 like 2013. it might have been gary tonin maybe someone along the lines of that where it was a loose guillotine where it's like very high up on the head where it almost looks like the guy's gonna pop his head out but i think for that style of guillotine, he wants that sort of grip to be shallow for yeah, for it I'm, to be tight.
0: I'm trying to get it here on, on it's high uh, on the head
2: showing, it's almost oh, like I'm on just, his forehead
1: shit. like the yeah there yeah because they... it looks like he's about to get his head out um and then I actually thought his head was gonna come out and then right as it's about maybe like halfway out he taps. And I was like, whoa, because you usually see so many times the guys getting their head out. Okay,
0: I'm watching it now, so I'll do a play-by-play. So so he goes for the high single. He drops down the leg. Okay, he turtles, like you said. As he turtles, (coughs) Perez is trying to pass from one side to the other. So he puts his head to the mat, and that's when he laces up the submission. And I think what we're seeing here is where he's basically what they teach you not to do in jiu-jitsu class. Which is basically where he's cupping the hand over the windpipe and he's pressing into the windpipe like that, and he's choking him in a different way than where we would try to choke here. Oh, on, it's on on yeah. either side of the uh, what carotid artery. Yeah. Um, and he's basically digging his his right into his Adam's apple, windpipe, something like that. It looks kind of like if you guys remember Ben Rothwell hitting up. Josh Barnett with that ten-finger guillotine,
2: the go-go go-go choke. They called it a go-go choke for.
0: Yeah, I mean ben it's something Rothwell. that a lot of people like have mod- not.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's like a modified guillotine. It's not really a traditional how, guillotine. How,
0: but on the shock level that he tapped Josh Barnett oh, with yeah. that is a ten yeah. out of ten. Definitely ten definitely. of ten. Yeah. So so this is kind of like what Figueroa did, and as you said, it looked like he was going to pop Luke Thomas. If you guys want to check out Luke Thomas, he does the best breakdown of this because he has the iPad and he's going step by step by step showing you here's his hand to the best of what you can see a lot of what's going on you can't see because it's under it's hidden uh, by uh, the neck of Alex Perez by the back of his neck you can't see through his neck to see exactly where the hand is but what a phenomenal submission what a squeeze an arm in I mean you got to have a certain length arm to make that happen right Will
1: Oh yeah! Like you're not. I, getting
0: those.
1: I was just thinking about a uh, fight that lasts a minute and a half in the first round. Usually, I'm like, "Oh, geez, that was kind of unfulfilling." Even if it's just this crazy knockout punch, it's still relatively unfulfilling. But after that one, because there was so much action within that one and a half minutes, I was I was good. I was like, "Dude, that was <laughs> sweet." <laughs> but before, if it's just like a kick to the head or something like that, and you're just like, it's like oh, a right. normal
2: Chuck Liddell fight when Chuck Liddell was like in his prime, like yeah,
1: you got to see a, you got to see a lot more skill within that minute and a half than just yeah, you know something. The prime
2: like, Chuck Liddell would just knock a guy out in like thirty seconds, and that'd be the main event. People would be like, yeah. oh okay, time to go home. And <laughs> yeah, and the
1: random UFC fan in the arena is like super stoked because they got to see a strike and then a knockout like that. Yeah,
0: and unfortunately, I'm one of these weird people that it's ironic. That I look back on Chuck Liddell's career with what might have been because all the rest of his MMA skills suffered while he and his coach had him focusing on just knocking people out. Like there was nothing, he didn't do anything else. You know, he didn't have any other game. It wasn't until years later, one of the last fights he competed in when he broke Rich Franklin's arm, that he barely threw kicks, you know, the way that he could. He was out kicked by Keith Jardine, who was nowhere near the athlete that Chuck Liddell was, but they knew that Chuck Liddell was coming in looking for one punch. And so Jackson Winklejohn just focused on, Hey, we have to avoid this because this is all he's going to do. And he did just exactly what they thought. Oh, Liddell
2: have... was like a, you know, he was, uh, I would say a, a very successful sprawl and brawler before sprawl and brawl was really a thing. He kind of made that style viable and more upfront, but like, what,
0: I, what I'm saying is for a guy who wrestled in college
2: and I know, a guy who had more. a
0: kickboxing background, had a uh, Kempo, I think he was a Kempo stylist, like John Hackleman background, he could have done so much more. And he kind of turned himself into a guy that would spend five rounds hunting for that one punch. And that's what I regret is he could have beaten some of those guys. Uh, Rashad, you know, Rashad knocked him out, you
2: know. Oh, bad bad yeah.
0: so let's move along though um, let's move along uh, with Figueredo what we want to talk about here that's ironic is that the winner of a fight that's coming later on the card Brandon Moreno who had basically he won by they're calling it by technical submission I guess technical knockout actually but really what it was is Brandon Royval popped his shoulder out yeah. and he couldn't continue to fight he couldn't defend himself with that arm And, um, so Brandon Moreno got a, a hard earned victory over an extremely tough guy. I picked Roy Val to win that fight. Um, shows you what I know once again. Um, but, uh, what's interesting about that, Nick, is they're going to have this guy, they're going to have Figueredo and Brandon Moreno cut weight and fight in three weeks. What is it? December 12th.
2: Yeah. I, I had a hard time even believing fight announcement because you know you hear a lot of things online and twitter and oh yeah you know they're gonna be fighting and it's a lot of it's just like rumors and people get excited over these rumors and potential fight dates then it 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 took me a while to actually kind of realize that wow no it's actually happening (laughs) these guys are gonna fight in three weeks when they just fought this past weekend which is nuts i think Figueroa this is his fourth fight fourth title fight this year so a lot of mm-hmm. people are saying it could be if he wins he could be fighter a fighter of fight, fighter of the year candidate which yeah by all means definitely especially in these times but yeah it's just nuts i don't know i guess it's easier for figueredo to take a short notice fight like this since he's already down in weight so compared to maybe if he took two months and he had a week or two to just eat whatever he wants and he balloons up to i don't know how big he gets when he's not in camp or when he's not ready preparing himself for a fight. So I don't know. I just, the weight cut kind of scares me for Figueroa just cause he's so big. He's, he's a huge flyweight, you know, so, luckily, uh, hopefully the, the, the cut won't affect him.
0: Luckily we have a motor control oh, no, and learning no. sports scientist on the show. Yes. That's what we bring. Oh, here oh at yeah, MMA, yeah. BJJ in life. We have Dr. <laughs> Will Wu. Will, um, what, is there an inevitability to the fact that, um, that and, and, and I'm referencing Figueredo, but we're also referencing uh, Brandon Moreno, but Figueredo, is there a, any way that he's not going to like come down from this high? He's going to put on weight, and he's going to cut it again. So what kind of performance can we expect out of him three weeks from now when he has to do this all over
1: again? You know that's a good question, DJ. I, was, I I don't know. That's that's out of my out of my wheelhouse, really. Um, but I was just thinking, in terms of the effects of those weight cuts on physiology and on the nervous system, and looking at trying to see what kind of data that we have on that. And I don't know. I'd imagine, you know, the UFC has some kind of scientific arm whether they're collecting data on this or whatnot i i'm not quite sure um or whether they have this data within from from wrestling right from college wrestling or from high school wrestling or whatnot but yeah i don't i don't particularly know i think three weeks is a quick turnaround i just look at it as wow you know dana white really (laughs) hates that division (laughs) um uh, it's almost like he tried to get rid of it and he couldn't get rid of it and now he's just like all right just have those guys turn around and fight real quick like who gives a who gives well, a the damn? main
2: event got canceled for that card it was supposed to be Jan Peter Jan versus Algernon Sterling but then Peter Jan for undisclosed reason i they might have been like family issues maybe someone in his family got covid or something potentially or someone in his family's got really sick all of a sudden and then he just pulled out for no undisclosed reason but then aljamine sterling tweeted to jan saying hey hopefully your family's okay hopefully everything will be all right and then you know, we'll, we'll, we'll run it we'll run it we'll run it in the future so but that was supposed to be the main event so when that dropped i think they kind of scrambled to find a decent main event or decent fight to kind of put in that place so Whoa. and then figure so, out. i was like okay
0: so much from my MMA news and notes section but <laughs> Nick's oh <not> sorry no <laughs> <Never
1: again.
0: laughs> jumping on no that's okay that it's a good topic and basically we can still cover it because I think we're gonna absolutely lose our minds with how many when we start looking at how many fights have fallen out due to covid uh or something I mean if we go back 30 days I mean we could probably find like five fights that have fallen out it
1: doesn't surprise me though DJ because if you look at who did who in professional sports did it the best and what professional sport organization did it the best NBA the NBA and what did they do they locked it down they (laughs) were separate Mm -hmm. they lived away for multiple months um they had all the safeguards. They tested multiple times during the day, distancing, mm-hmm. masks, all that stuff. It was legit how you do that. A little bit harder to do in some other sports, and I think MMA is going to be tough to do because you don't have teams; you have individuals.
0: All right? over the all over the world.
1: Yeah, and on top of that, right? If you look at martial arts or fight sports, I think there's a culture, at least from what I view. You guys could agree or disagree based off what I say is that COVID isn't a really big
2: thing. Yeah. I mean, at least the people that are very vocal about it are on the side of it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have
1: like Keenan Cornelius say, Oh, COVID's over. Like he says that on his podcast or something like that. I'm like, what? Yeah. Even he's like, it's over with or something like that. (laughs) Right. And you see a, a bunch of people training still and it's, it's like it's like nothing it's like it's not around. Yeah. I think
0: I think there's a certain inherent invincibility that you would feel uh being one of those guys if we were to just leave, you know, any political leaning <clears throat> out of it. There's a certain invincibility that they feel and it probably carries over to even things like COVID. So Well,
1: oh, um, no, no, yeah, it's it's there, like you say, this is this is it's it's not a political debate. It's just you, the original your original statement was a lot of fights have fallen out because of COVID, and it's because they don't see it. They the fighters or the 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 sport doesn't see it as a big thing. Like there are very few precautions that are taking if it's not official precautions by the UFC.
0: You know, uh, and MMA, BJJ, in life brings you the most disorganized mishmash of audiophonic goodness. Because we will jump from one topic right to another, so uh, so we will we will come back to fights that have been canceled due to COVID. I don't even know, like Amanda and Megan got. I mean, there's so many different fights that have been canceled. I've literally lost track. Um, but anyway, uh, let's talk about Valentina Shevchenko versus um, uh, Jennifer Maya, and then we'll come back to that. So Nick, uh, get us going on that of uh, the big grappler. Uh, and Jennifer Maya did much better than a lot of people thought. Much better than a minus two thousand odds I
2: would mean, would,
0: yeah, would I be like, high. Was that for real? <laughs> yes. And I want to say that um, I just like I'm gonna I'm going back to the GSP era. I don't care that she had a difficult five round fight and that it was a challenge. This is fighting. So if you guys think that she's lost a step or she doesn't know what she's doing or she could have kept it on the feed and finished, you know what? You don't understand fighting, okay? Valentina uh, executed the best game plan that she thought, and it went five rounds because the other girl was extremely tough even after her nose was broke. So um, I'm sorry that you know maybe it didn't meet expectations, but Shevchenko I don't think has lost anything it's just how she chose and her sister actually chose to approach both their fights around the same way
2: yeah plus she was uh she she was out for a while she had an injury knee injury Mm -hmm. some sort of injury that she recovered recovered from everything so maybe that had maybe something to do with it um yeah the layoff and everything and and i think i mean you did see us i mean i sensed a um, an expression of doubt not really doubt but maybe a sense of worry in her during that fight at time after the second round I mean she definitely lost the second round and i don't think she felt that in a while losing around getting controlled like that against maya or how maya had the i think the left underhook that was really high and then she Sherchenko couldn't really get mm-hmm. the underhook to to spin out of it or to sort of reverse it so she was getting controlled against the cage, and she got taken down, and she got sort of controlled on the ground, but she really didn't sustain that much damage, but so just that that sense of control that she is used to doing on others that kind of was reversed and done to her and that second round, it, it put some worry in her. So I think people seeing that from Strichenko, they're like, whoa, this girl's supposed to be you know, the queen of all MMA fighters. And granted, Cherchenko, to her credit, does not tout herself. She doesn't sort of parade herself as this sort of number one, I'm the best, get out of my face. Like, she's not like a John Jones or Conor McGregor. She's not very, like, you know, clody about how good she is. She's very humble and she goes, hey, you know what? After I'm done with fighting, if you want to rank me as the best, that's fine. I don't see myself as this, like, pound for pound you know queen or whatever she's like i'm just i like martial arts this is my life i like to fight i like to compete and i want to do as best i can and so i mean based on that just that expectation that people have on her is based on those expectations expectations from her fans not from herself kind of hyping herself up so all that being considered i think people kind of those expectations and then her not maybe living up to those expectations based on the betting odds and everything. Well, people pe- think, yeah, she might've lost a step, but yeah, she fought a tough fighter that gave her some trouble early in the fight, but then she just kind of rallied and kind of changed her strategy and lit her up three rounds, three, four, and five, but she just couldn't put her away because myos is tough and people yep. didn't realize how tough she was.
0: Well, it, it doesn't take a professional MMA coach to see that Jennifer Maya's body type, she was very, very strong in the clinch. She had a very powerful upper body. She worked very well. She dug. She dug for her underhook. She used it. And that is not a position where Shevchenko is all that strong, uh, technique wise. And so Jennifer Maya was bound uh, to be good in that spot. I don't think it's indicative of their relative skill level.
1: Uh, So we're talking about the second round that people get caught up on. But Mm -hmm. if you go to the first round and all the other rounds, I think it's fairly consistent with what you've seen from Shevchenko in the past. Um, If you, after that second round, it was almost like her corner Shevchenko's corner or she knew it's like, okay, this is what we have to do for the remainder of the rounds in order to be successful. And they executed it when they were on the, yeah, she got takedowns. And then when they're striking on the feet, You weren't saying, oh, no, she's in trouble. It's just just saying, right? She's still doing what she does in the fight. So, you know, I give it to her. When I look at Maya, I was like, dude, she's, you know, Nick and I were talking about before we started the podcast. It was like, I could see her like in a year or two, if she's got a good coaching or a team, she's going to be legit good.
0: She's Um, very good. Yeah,
1: yeah, analogous to... You know, we were talking about Sehudo the first time Sahudo fought DJ and how there was a big discrepancy there, and then they fight later, and then arguably Sehuto wins wins the fight. I mean, I know we've had this discussion in the past about who won that fight, DJ. But nonetheless, basically what is demonstrating is that demonstrating this really fast or it's just dis- demonstrating this really steep progression that uh a fighter can make given the right circumstances and team environment. Um, And I think she's got a good foundation to do that. Um, She got, I, I, you know, I don't, if people are looking at that fight and saying Shevchenko has lost a step, I'd go, okay, I'll give you the second round. Um, And she definitely did. I was surprised. But after that, for all the four other rounds that she dominated it was almost like it's only analogous to saying like people saying that Conor McGregor had a chance in the Khabib fight or something like that. I was like, no, he didn't have a chance in that fight. No, but um, I think
0: I, I think you were saying, though, that Maya did fight well and she has there's something there to develop. Is that what you're yeah. saying?
1: Okay, yeah. 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 I think she's got she's good. She's got a foundation of she's got that toughness. I mean, she was getting like you said, did they confirm a broken nose? You, uh, I
0: mean, it, it was pretty obvious even on that. I, if, if not, I mean, she would have broke she, the cartilage. Or She was she taking
1: significant up. strikes yeah. to the head. And how many times have you seen Shevchenko take down an opponent and the opponent be so shocked by the takedown that it takes them a little bit of time to initiate the back defense due to the shock of the takedown. Um, and she defended. She knows she defended. She, her jiu-jitsu is really good. It was and very she defended good it well yeah that was
0: a very impressive performance uh, so I like and uh, it'll be interesting next they're they're saying Dana said I'm booking Jessica Andraj for her uh I'm on board with that I think former champion um, I would like to see that I don't think andraj will be successful against uh, uh Valentina Shevchenko. so just give me a yay or nay'll say no mm-hmm. uh Nick Andraj successful or unsuccessful.
2: I say no, but <laughs> but if if Andraj could take her down and and sort of solidify positions on her, I mean she could she could do some damage. I mean like what she, she did against Claudia, where she took her down. Claudia tried to play some deep half guard on her, and she just shut her down. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about. Like, so, that. I mean, her Shevchenko
0: top, won't be playing deep half. I can guarantee you that. She's not going to do some Novo and Yao. No,
2: I'm not saying she's going to play deep half. I'm not saying she's going <laughs> yeah. to do anything <laughs> like that. But yeah. my my point is, so your points well gets on top of you. You can be She in gets trouble. on top of you. You're in trouble. Like you're, you're. Well, like, that's the second it's round. A, it's a. It, that's a. That yeah, would, that's be, a the right that would be the fear. That would be the print.
0: Yeah, it's just her grounded pound is yeah. a lot more advanced than Jennifer Maya. I think the question is whether or not Valentina will know she will plan not to be on the ground against Andrade, and that if if she focuses enough on that and doesn't try to take her down and just tattoos her on the feet, I think she'll be very successful, kind of like what she did with Holly Holm. Uh, she'll be, but but really yeah, just have, she has the, to be a little more because
2: Andrade doesn't have it. That- yeah, Andras doesn't have that reach. You know, like no. she she has to get in and you know, she's been working on her head movement and everything and she's gotta get inside. Like my head movement the, looks like, a she's little a, taller and,
0: like she's some sort of an insect is the, yeah, the most unnatural head movement I've ever seen. But
2: but she does she does like a lateral head movement where you know it she was, comes forward, but instead of just going straight at you, she comes and she kind of sways her head. Yeah, you it know, looked side like she watched a
0: video in the hotel room. But anyway, let's let's move right, let's move along <laughs> Jeez, to uh, let's move along to Tim Means the Dirty Bird at a fit NHB Tom Vaughn and the brothers over in Albuquerque going up against Mike Perry trained by his pregnant girlfriend and what I'm <laughs> what I'm gonna start off with will is the most some of the most asinine commentary we heard during this fight and I don't remember whether it was my brother DC or a guy who I've been very critical of lately in uh, the great Joe Rogan and I mean that not facetiously because he is great but I still I'm gonna you know I'm gonna call it how I see it however flawed that may be Um, Mike Perry clearly was not in shape clearly was tired Clearly was confirmed by Tim Means after the fight, saying that Mike Perry was sending him photos of him eating cheeseburgers and fries and doing other stuff like that. It was the flabbiest Mike Perry I've seen. He was obviously winded in the second round, and Joe Rogan to say, "Oh, neither guy's tired." I mean, I <laughs> will. What? <laughs> What is this? They're showing promos of Mike Perry where he looks much more fit than the Mike Perry that's in the cage that was gassed.
1: Obviously. I don't have an I don't have an answer for you there. I thought Means did a really good job to just light Mike Perry up. Yes, but um, I'm
0: talk but he was tired yeah. and
1: like Yeah. And maybe he's tired because well he's out of shape, but I don't know. I don't oh know. God. Joe Joe yeah. Rogan's Joe Rogan's awesome at what he does. He's a legend, but I don't know what's going through his mind.
0: The problem. I'm sorry to interrupt. The problem with Joe Rogan, who is an app is is, you know, he's a genius in in the industry of not only mixed martial arts commentary but of podcasting. He is the king of the mountain. Period. Full stop. However, the problem that I see with Joe Rogan. Aside from – I don't even want to – I'm not even going to go to to the specific area I want to go. But let's just say this. When he gets a position on something, he is going to defend it and defend it and defend it. And it may really be without merit. And I don't think he realizes that. Um, You could see it with – well, I guess I will go there really quickly. (laughs) He attacked uh, Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo of New York that maybe he made decisions that got people killed, and perhaps uh, about putting COVID patients in nursing homes, and perhaps that's a hundred percent true. But he didn't criticize President Trump and decisions that he made that may have gotten people killed. It's like, hey, there's a big elephant in the room. Do you see it? It's right there. There's an elephant. He's a full-grown Indian elephant. Do you see him? It's like Joe, man. So anyway, there are certain things, and he gets a narrative. When he when he latches onto a narrative, he doesn't want to let it go. To me, Mike Perry did not look in shape. He did not look like uh, – well, obviously, he missed weight. So there's, there's some objective data right there that Will's looking for because he missed weight by like four I and a half lot. pounds, right? By a lot. Yes, um, by a he, lot. He
2: missed weight, About like 73, 72, It was like seventy five point five. Yeah, was Mike Perry the one that got drunk in in? Yep. And hit the hit the yeah,
1: like the guy some in older the bar. dude at a bar or something. The, like that.
0: the, the guy that got mouth dropping with
1: the n bomb. Yeah. So yeah. he's just kind of in a personal mess. And like, there he's is a per-
2: he's a mess right now. His ex wife had a. I didn't listen to the interview with Ariahani, but his ex wife did an interview with Ariahani saying how dangerous he is like domestic abuse like it was her her relationship with him when they were married was very abusive both physically and mentally apparently and i believe she just did it she just did the interview just to like help others going through the same experience that she went through it wasn't even to try to i don't even think she was trying to i mean i heard a couple clips but it seemed like she wasn't trying to um uh i don't know ruin his reputation or anything it was just like this needs to you know this this needs to be heard this is what I went through hopefully we could help others going through this same sort of experience so I heard it's intense I think it's like what, an hour interview the,
0: the most important thing you said there is he's a very dangerous man and I agree with that but first of all what what Joe and company were saying was ridiculous because then Tim Mean in his post fight interview said, He's taunting me, sending me photos of him eating fast food. I mean, we haven't heard of that since like BJ Penn and Matt Hughes kind of business. You don't eat fast food in fight camp. You just, I mean, that is something well, that if you do, is you very. you better make weight. Tw- that's very 2012. You just don't do that. George St. Pierre will tell you, I go to McDonald's and get quarter pounders. I eat poutine and stuff like that. But you don't do it. And I know what you're thinking, Will. Uh, but you don't do it in fight camp, so all right, let's let's move along. Tim Means was awesome. Congratulations, to Tim Means. Um, Caitlin Chikagan and Cynthia Calvillo. I don't really have much to say. Caitlin is a, is a better striker. Cynthia Calvillo, her striking, if you can get. I let me just say this, Nick. That why are you laughing so soft? I, mean, <laughs> I don't know
2: why it's cracking You have a
0: PhD. Is it because I said poutine? Jeez. I got French fries and gravy, and this guy's all... Okay. Mute, <laughs> you keep on going. Mute, mute your damn mic. <laughs> okay, guys. MMA, BJJ, and life. My PhD is having a complete meltdown because of poutine. But anyway, <laughs> Nick... Um. Is this the benchmark? If you're a fighter and you are outstruck by Carla Esparza, you have problems? Because <laughs> that was Calville.
2: <laughs> you mean, did she get outstruck by
0: Yes. Yes, she Esparza did. In that fight? Yes, she did. Oh, I didn't see that. That was her yet. first loss, I think, in the UFC. Because, she, remember, she was oh, tearing man. girls up, I mean, man. She would tap Pearl Gonzalez. She was, yeah, but... she was, like, on fire until she yeah, met up with Esparza.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's basically what we've talked about before in previous shows and with previous guests. It's like I think she wants to be a striker. She she was a grappler that her grappling got her to the dance. Her grappling got her to her rank and where she's at right now and why people sort of are interested in her fighting is her success is from her grappling and then I think she wanted to sew up some holes in her game which is fair and sort of worked on her striking but then again i think that striking or her sort of improved striking and her maybe her excitement from her improvement on her striking sort of led her to maybe fight more like a striker in the in her fights which i saw against Chicagan, which i thought she was gonna beat chikagian like not easily but i thought it would be i don't know i thought she'd Buzz right through her just based on the wrestling and grappling, and that was not the case because she tried to be a striker. Now I don't know if she was injured and she couldn't maybe shoot as much as she wanted to, or or something. I don't know, but she I was not she fighting to her really strengths don't. of her grappling. I, I think she has a wrestling background. I mean, she trained with uh, Team Alpha Male for years. No, I know, I know and, that. I'm I just mean, saying. I don't think to she the has. Dancers,
0: any... I don't think she has any wrestling. I, I didn't think she has any. I think her fighting. I think what hurt her, to be honest with you, her fighting Asparza and not being able to get a takedown and fighting against. Uh, Ju- I think she fought. Uh, what's the girl from Los Angeles? The Tatiana Suarez. Didn't she fight Suarez, or am I wrong? Or I don't it- think
2: she fought Suarez. Okay, no, so that's Asparza fought Suarez. Yeah,
0: she. Yeah, Asparza got out wrestled by Suarez, but. I believe Calvillo got out wrestled by uh, Carla and I think that kind of ruined her confidence because like you said, she used to come out and just run at girls and grab hold of them and trip them down and it was all about grappling. But she Take their back. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful jiu-jitsu, man. So, I don't know.
2: beautiful, beautiful back take. She had a, yes. I think she had one where she was on the, she was on her back or something and then she like flipped her legs over and like got the, the hooks in the back and then, went over top and took the girl's back and choked her out. I was like, whoa, this girl is great. Great, great, exciting, exciting, you know, grappling. So, but I don't know. It's, I think it's that identity. I think maybe she just was wearing her striking hat a bit too much in this past fight. And it, she could, she
0: just, she did not have the confidence to get in there (laughs) and shoot a really good takedown and she is tall. She probably defends pretty well. You know, if she's not, fighting like a a really good wrestler. I mean, she's pretty good at defending. She's training with Mark Henry now. I think, uh, as I said on a prior podcast, I think Sarah Longo lost her to uh, Mark Henry. She was a Sarah Longo fighter. Um, All right, moving. Let's move along. We have uh, Brandon Royval against Brandon Moreno. I'm skipping over Shogun Paul Craig. Shogun is like, you know, in fighter years, he's like 67 years old. He didn't throw any leg kicks, and he got out grappled by a younger, better, uh, grappler, than Paul Craig. Did you Paul see who coaching Shogun?
1: Uh, did I you did see not. who's
0: coaching? No. All right. It's not. No, Paul I don't Craig think it's. It. Pe- he thought it was I don't think it's Pedner's. I don't think so. Yeah, I could. Be I'll wrong. say this:
2: Paul Craig had a nice uh, guard game really nice guard game yeah he did, he did some really cool stuff
0: he always has. he did
2: like a nice lockdown almost like a deep mm-hmm. half kind of guard and swept him over i mean it was beautiful it was really cool to see a 205 pounder play a pretty technical guard game like that and be it was. successful
0: it was you're right. that's that's a good point i just good i didn't stuff. want to spend i don't i just can't i can't invest a lot of time in these guys that are like 32 years old fighting guys that are now, legitimately, I'll bet if we look it up, I'll bet you Shogun's not more than, like, 36. But it's just, you know, it's just... It's a year of Oh, my he's... God. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to read. We already talked about it last week, the Jim wars. They had a shoot box under Fedrigo And uh, what's the guy's name from uh, Huntington Beach? Rafael Cordero. 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 Yeah. Cordero. But anyway, let's let's move along uh Brandon Royval versus uh Brandon Moreno. Amazing amazing fight. Um basically to make a long story short, Brandon Royval he really was not that aggressive with his uh wrestling game and he was really more kind of striking and then we I think he got knocked down. Um I'd have to rewatch that. Royval? Yeah, did he get knocked down? I don't down? think Roy
2: Val's a wrestler.
0: No, but I mean, his re- he wrestled very well against Kai Carl France. No, he didn't. No?
2: No, he didn't. Why? He was more of a he's more of a he didn't wrestle at all against Kai Carl France. He just was very aggressive with his striking, and then his jiu-jitsu took over when it hit the ground. And Kai Carl France knocked him down a couple times. Went in the guard of Roy Val and was like, "Nope, no, thank you." Yeah, but I thought reason-
0: I thought he took. I thought he took. How about how, France? I'll now. tell you this. I'll tell wrong. you.
2: Name wrong. me the sequence that won. I can't. That Roy Bell. You know why? You didn't watch it. That's why I remember we we talked about this. I did you watch me. it.
0: No, I went back. Well, didn't see watched the whole it. thing. You didn't. I, oh, you go back, back and watch it? it. Yeah, I did. Of course. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, how would he like, win? Wow.
0: I don't. Well, I don't remember. He tapped him. I don't remember what it was.
2: It was it was Kai-Kar France shooting in right into the oh, team. Oh, was it really? Okay. Yeah. So Roy Bell's more of a crazy unorthodox high pace sort of striker that throws spinning stuff and he like his pace is so high that it's just over and over like he, you just right. don't know what he's going to throw at you yeah. but in the scramble you know he hunts for submissions he's got an amazing guard he's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu so he's got all these like kind of scrambly kind of unorthodox not really unorthodox but a very active jiu-jitsu game off his back so Nasty, if you take him down Nasty. yeah so he saw i saw i mean this past fight i saw it you know he got taken well he was on his back and he would he would kick up and yeah, to his feet. He, he, and, yeah
0: he kicked put his foot on his hips and yeah, shoved like, Moreno off of him and got up again
2: but that's reval style it's very like yeah. tasmanian devil where it's just like he's spinning and he's throwing up submissions and but he doesn't really go for takedowns like even uh the tim elliott fight tim elliott took him down and got all crazy on him and then eventually he got caught with it a submission i forgot what he caught him with but we if I caught him with something i don't it might have been guillotine i don't know
0: he is nasty but, yeah. man i love his he's submission good. game but good. you know what brandon moreno you hang around you play your game he's extremely confident in what he does and it's a beautiful thing will did you see that fight
1: i saw the very end of it and that's when i text you uh said he tko would himself he
0: did man he did. I,
2: saw, I, re- I saw that fact i was like what that <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: was so cruel he had to do a mel gibson man or what what's his name uh i can't remember uh murtaugh and riggs uh yeah i, I right mean
1: Moreno won the fire then he gets up all in the camera and he's you know doing his uh doing his machismo thing and i was like dude the dude just like tko would himself and you're all stoked and you're like the best fighter in the world.
2: Well, I, like, I feel man. like Moreno was winning that the, the exchanges in that fight. And I was overall I was hyping up, you know, Royval. And I am a big fan of Royval, but Moreno was the he's the tighter sort of boxer compared to and the striker compared to Royval. Where I was a little more wild, he's a little more open. Moreno's very tight with his boxing and his jiu-jitsu is really Might be just as good as Royval's. I mean, he's very sound in everything he does for Moreno, so
0: Um, so anyway, I, now we're going to see Brandon Moreno fight, uh, Davison Figueiredo. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I still think that's Figueiredo's fight to win. I think where, I mean, you know, Brandon Moreno, he's sneaky good. He can get some, some takedowns against guys. So Mm -hmm. he might get a takedown and make it interesting, uh, and try to bust him up a little bit. He's got some decent ground and pound, but I'll pick Figueiredo there. I don't know about you guys.
1: Based on what I saw in this, this last one, I'd pick him, too.
0: Yeah. A bit, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Moreno because this dude is game. I mean, he's he is not going to go away easily against anybody, I don't think. I think he's very, very game. So, Yeah, yeah that will be a good fight. I don't least. know if
1: the three-week turnaround affects the optimal um, competitive nature of the fight, though.
0: So grading on the curve and assuming that no fighter is, is ideally 100% come fight night. But let's say for the sake of this discussion that in this spectrum here that there is a 100 percentile. I think that neither one of these guys is going to be more than 80% by the time they get to fight night because they went up, they come down. And I realize that high school and college wrestlers do this all the time, but a lot of that is based on them being young. It's easier to cut weight when you're Recover. young. Yeah, they're Recover. not going and, and celebrating uh, as much as a UFC fighter will go out and have pizza and cake and ice cream. And I'm pretty sure that both those fighters probably did that after last Saturday night. So I don't know,
2: though. If, that's a, if it's a quick turnaround, though, we don't know if they did that. They might have just... You know, maybe had a cookie and was like, "All right, time to go back <laughs> to work." I mean, Morano's still that's pretty what young. He Carla sparza is like a cookie
0: fanatic, man. She bought like a four hundred dollar oh, cookie is. from She's New awesome. York, man. So, I know, good Lovely for her. Too. Good for Lovely. her. I saw her fight live. But no, Morano's um, still in
2: his twenties. He's he's pretty young still. Yeah.
0: I no, I I realize so, that. So, but I mean, but I'm just saying, he, man. I he I might think
2: still be on his side.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think this is going to be tough. I don't I think mean, we're going to see the best I mean, of them, but we'll see. I, mean, I hope we will for their sake. Yeah. Um, the next card is that next weekend. It's UFC Fight Night 18. USC on ESPN 18. I don't really have much to say about this card. Uh, it's Curtis Blades against Derek Lewis and Anthony Smith against uh, Devin Clark. I don't really have much to say here. I Curtis Blades wrestling is so outstanding. Um I love Derek Lewis. I believe that Derek Lewis has a win over Blades already. Let me check that. Um Nganu Um maybe I'm wrong about that. Um go ahead. What do you think of this what do you think of this fight, Nick? Do you have anything to say about that?
2: I mean, I love Lewis too. I think he's great. I mean, he's one of the best personalities in the game. It was mm-hmm. Derek Lewis. I mean, he's, he's, and, you know, the stuff he did in, in, in Houston, all that relief work he did. Lo- love him. And Lo-
0: absolutely love Derek Lewis. It's, he looks great.
2: Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's 15 pounds lighter than he was. Yeah. He's, yeah. Um, I, I don't, but so... his kryptonite is wrestling. <laughs> so Curtis Blaze is probably what, well, what would Not you either. say? Probably one of the, the the best wrestlers in the division.
0: Um. Under, yeah. Minus, I mean,
2: minus uh, Stepe. Everybody maybe, maybe forgets he might have better wrestling than Stepe.
0: Everybody. Well, he definitely has better wrestling than Stepe. Everybody forgets about Juan Espina, and Juan Espina is Spain's Olympic representative in heavyweight wrestling. So, I would say he probably has oh, the best crazy. wrestling. But I would say other than Juan Espina. Uh, I would say, yeah, yeah I go with Curtis Blades.
2: So I mean, that's that's Derek Lewis' Kryptonite. So yeah. I mean, he does he's he he has very good scramble ability to just get up, but against a really good wrestler, I don't I think, think he's it's... gonna be able to do it. I mean, DC kind of what do you DC kind of ankle almost like ankle picked him like yeah. just standing, he just like yeah. lifted his ankle and just the guy just collapsed. I mean, just went flying. So. I mean, I think Curtis Blades, as long as he doesn't get into the firefight against uh, Derrick Lewis, I mean, this is Curtis Blades' fight to win based on the style.
0: Will, Will, as much as all three members of this show would love to hang out with Derrick Lewis above any other UFC heavyweight, I think I speak for all of us. Um, Who who are you picking in this fight? Because I know he would be so funny. He would have us absolutely rolling. But anyway, uh, who do you pick in that fight?
1: Oh, yeah, I go with Blades, too. I see Derek Lewis getting flattened out on his belly at some point in the fight. (laughs) Uh, And either getting choked or it's getting stopped because he can't stop the punches because he's flattened out on his belly. That's kind of how we see it going.
0: Yeah, you're picturing like Brandon Schaub against, um, what was uh, (laughs) Ronda Rousey's husband, Travis Brown. Yeah. So, um, all right, yeah, I'm going with you. and. And um that's really all I will, all I really care to talk about with this card. Let's go to the NBA, Willie. Da-da-da. Are you ready, baby? No, it's da da da
1: No, I can't do that. Anymore. Oh, are you I'm, doing uh, I'm tone uh, deaf? The doing old CBS school sports the yeah. school no the old I know, I school NBA NBC intro.
2: That's like a problem. Right. Those That's songs classic. are catchy, For the sports. Even yeah, the man. football song was catchy.
0: Tom Heinsohn and Dick Stockton, the late Tom Heinsohn who just passed, the great Boston Celtics, man. I could remember watching uh, in the 80s, watching Hakeem and the Rockets and Ralph Sampson against the Lakers. Good shit. But anyway, oh, man,
1: the commentary is completely different now. Now you get players and coaches. You do. Yeah, it is. That's commentary and – yeah. Sometimes it could be very, very painful. Well, we actually, have... a lot of times it's very painful.
0: Yeah, we have women now. Doris Burke, man, finally. She's, she's good. Getting a color role, man. She's, she's
1: really great. good. Yeah, I'd much rather hear her than a former player.
0: She's very soothing, man. She's She could be like uh, your Reiki therapist or an NBA announcer. Her voice, and she's just very so knowledgeable about the game and very analytical, so I really enjoy
1: listening, to Doris. They had a really interesting special on her about her rise and what she had to do uh, to get to where she is. Um, And it just kind of goes to the double standard that females have to go through in the, in, in male sports. It's basically, she had to make herself look prettier.
0: Absolutely. I've heard, uh, I've heard some interviews. Uh, I think it was around the time that the Redskins, um, the Washington football team, when that girl uh, levied allegations, and then there were something like 14 other women, who levied uh, allegations against the hierarchy at, at the uh, Washington uh, Redskins uh, front office and uh, sexual things. And when those women talked about what they go through, it's just, it's horrific. I mean, it's just something that that uh, no woman should have to, to deal with, uh, especially people that are really good, that work hard and really just want to, You know, they'd cry. The girl used to cry her way to work, you know, and just be like, "Let's get through another day." Because hey, I wanted to work in sports, and here I am in an NFL team front office. I mean, that's like a dream for a lot of us. But let's uh, let's go to uh, the NBA real quick. Um, Will so somebody on Twitter suggested, how do you think that would fit next year if Giannis Antetokounmpo signs with the Lakers? And then you have A.D., LeBron, and Giannis.
1: You want to hear my Mm -hmm. complex take on that? Maybe not so complex, convoluted. Uh, I like it from the fact that they're trying to get a third big name. Mm -hmm. But I don't see how uh, Giannis and Anthony Davis work together on the court because they're basically similar in size, slightly similar in position, although Giannis is a little bit more um, attacking from mid-court or from the top of the key. He's whereas, more
0: physical. He's a, yeah. more physical.
1: Well, he's going to beat people more off the dribble face up, whereas Davis is going to be more on the wing post, a little bit closer to the basket. Not to say you can't take people off the dribble, but he's taking people off the dribble closer to the basket rather than the top of the three point line. Yeah. Um, i would love i don't mind seeing him on the lakers but i'm just curious about how that works defensively though if you had lebron ad and uh Giannis on the same team and if people are thinking that lebron has dropped off defensively yeah maybe not full maybe not full maybe not the games. full fourth quarter mm-hmm. full four quarter 82 games but if you saw in the bubble playing d that dude could still play D when he wants to play D. Yeah,
0: yeah that was dangerous for the rest of the league that he got arrest. Nick, yes. I'm going to tell you why I'm not for this and why I would abhor any kind of move like this. Why is that? And and it was like what they said. Hey, Zanny, you guys down if, if Kawhi would have come to Lakers like last year? And I'm like, no, I'm not down because I want to watch NBA to see a competitive basketball season. Where it's going to be fun, and we're not sure who's going to win, and and it's absolutely ludicrous, and it's a bullshit move when you do like Kevin Durant going to a formerly 73-win Golden State team to join Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, former Finals MVP. All these guys have been on like All-Star teams. I don't it wasn't even competitive like there was no question about who's going to win and I don't want to see that. I don't want to see all the players on one team, even if I like Lakers or I'm a LeBron fan, a LeBron Stan, if you will. I'll even go that far. Who the hell wants to know who's going to win? It's, you know, feel me. I feel you. Yeah, okay.
2: I get that argument.
0: Yeah, like that's not cool.
1: I like to watch easy wins of my favorite teams.
0: <laughs>
1: so so well, I'm tough. all for it.
0: Objective data be gone.
1: Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me from a fan standpoint. No, it's, it's, I don't no, like to sit there being like have pins these, and just, needles. Like, it's excruciating <laughs> to watch. It's like down to the last 30 seconds, just going to depend on who has the ball last Like, No, I uh, I'll take the 15 point win just like the Lakers did in, um, their final game with Miami heat. That's, that's, that was cool. I'm good with that,
0: but I don't want to add onto to I wouldn't have wanted to add Kawhi Leonard. I mean, it's just, it's not competitive. And then the, when, when you stack a team, the, one of the things that makes the Lakers win so sweet was that they had to go out and find guys that were nowhere. You know, nobody wanted Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard had been on six different NBA teams. So he comes to the Lakers. Kobe said, get this guy out of here before I strangle and kill him. Get him out of Los Angeles. I mean, so they got rid of, you know. So Dwight's been, but they bring Dwight back and he plays well. A lot of people didn't like Rondo. Rondo was asked to leave a team. They brought Rondo back. KCP was a free, anybody could have had KCP. They went and got Alex Caruso from the NBA G League. Hadn't even started an NBA game. And he was a major contributor to a championship team. Markeith Morris was a pickup. So all these guys to surround, to play. And and I'm like, this is a bullshit team. This is not going to win. They're not going to beat a team like Kawhi Leonard and Lou Williams and Pat Biv and Mantras Harrell. You know, and on and on and on. And Paul George. You know, they're not gonna beat that team. That is the team. And oh I, how wrong we all were.
1: So how how can you think that, DJ, when
0: a lot of when, people thought that.
1: No, but LeBron James had won championships before with uh Lesser Della words. Vadova as the as the <laughs> was Matt, he the starting point no, 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 guard, right? Yeah, he ended up somebody got JR Smith.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, JR Smith. <laughs> no, no. Tristan Thompson. <laughs>
0: well, because you name will it. I'll answer your question cuz I'm an idiot and I doubted LeBron and I was proven wrong. Uh, but <laughs> I thought that uh, that they that they could not do it. I was so upset that they traded all those players to New Orleans, those young players like Lonzo Ball. But my point my point being is that The juice is sweeter because of what they went through. If you do like what you bring in like a Kevin Durant to the Lakers or you do what Golden State did, that's not sweet, man. Nobody looks at Kevin Durant the same way we look at LeBron James.
1: Oh, that's completely two different players in terms of their abilities. LeBron James is, you know, there's the Michael Jordan debate and all that. We stand on the same page with the Michael Jordan debate. The old school heads love the Michael Jordan because they love to hold on to the past type of thing. But they, like our boy Nick Wright says, they never bring up what Michael Jordan did pre-Phil Jackson. They never bring up what Michael Jordan did on the Washington Wizards.
0: Remember the Washington Wizards and Michael Jordan? It's
1: only a six-year career. We can't talk about before or after. Correct. And everybody will watch the ESPN documentary and go, oh, how awesome Michael oh, Jordan. Oh, is. yeah. Of course, because he produced the oh, damn yeah. thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. That like 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 uh, <laughs> like uh, somebody said, I don't remember who said this. They said, oh, Dan Patrick said Ken, was it he said Ken Burns was able to tell the story of the Civil War in eight hours. But Michael Jordan and his Bulls career, it took him 10 hours to <laughs>
1: And I'll I'll even take it off the court. You always look at the individual and say, how is he, how is the individual making people around him better? So LeBron James makes people better around him on the court. And then look at off the court, look at what his childhood friends have done, right? They've built an empire together. Look at what he's done with, you know, the the schools that he's built. Yeah, Yeah. the, the schools that he built and things like that. And so people will ride on. LeBron for like the smallest things he does. But what is over the years, what significant thing has Michael, Michael Jordan done for the people around him outside, outside of basketball? It's but, like very little. A you guys problem. take it
0: away. I got to let the cat out. I'll be right. There. Well, yeah, there's a cool
1: story on the, ga- the gambling thing. Um, there was a uh, Antoine Walker. Remember Antoine Walker, Nick? It's a, I think it's an gambling. SI article about it, <laughs> about Antoine Walker made a ton okay. of money in the NBA Um, multiple years he is uh, like a really cool point forward out of Kentucky Um, had probably his high time with the Boston Celtics but he made a lot of money Okay. and then he went um, basically doesn't have any money (laughs)
0: no he made like $113 million or something they
1: they document how he doesn't have money anymore and the bad decisions that he made and one of the things that they document it's not the sole reason why but it's one of the things that's significant enough to where they put it in there But um, they document how he got caught up hanging out with Michael Jordan and gambling with Michael Jordan. Now, Michael Jordan has different money compared to the highest paid NBA player because Michael Jordan not only has NBA money, but he also has his empire money, right, with his Jordan brand. And it's just sick, the amount of money that he makes off of Jordan brand. And so if you're just a random NBA player trying to keep up with Michael Jordan, that's You're not fine. smart. And so they basically document how like his hanging out with Jordan and gambling with Jordan was a one of the contributing factors to how he's in his broke situation.
0: I, <laughs> that, I, I was off on the money. it's ate. not 113 million. it's 108 million.
1: Yeah and That's so how much you made. You just kind of look, you look at it that way. but like you said, DJ it was like they had the players that they had this year on the Lakers. And from a Laker fan looking at what he did in Cleveland, I'm going, he'll do it again because he's the best. He's All the these best. guys he's were the pickups. the basketball player. Yeah. Uh,
0: Dion Waiters, Jared Dudley, J.R. Smith. All these guys are guys that other teams didn't want. And you bring LeBron and Anthony Davis in there and they build it into a championship. Like but I... KCP just got paid, what was it, $15 million based on you know, and LeBron is is one of the ones. Let's bring that guy in. It's yeah. just so if you go and you load down the team with three or four of these, all you know, uh, you know, all time players. and Kawhi Leonard to me is an all timer. Kevin Durant is an absolute all timer. We've never seen his like. Why would you want to bring him into a team and then you just devalue everything that happens after that? And that's what Golden State is. I don't look at his champion. The reason I don't look at Kevin Durant the way that I look at LeBron James, there's one reason. You know what that is, Nick?
2: I don't know what's that?
0: Because he went and joined a 73-win team that already had two <laughs> championships, and LeBron goes and builds teams out of no out of nowhere. Like what he did at Cleveland is it's absurd. He took the 73 He took two games off of Golden State in the finals with a Cleveland team that had no Kyrie Irving injured, and no uh, Kevin Love. I yep. mean
2: – I
1: remember that. Yeah. And the, it's just – And the year that Michael Jordan left for baseball, the Bulls went to the playoffs. And when did they get – did they get eliminated in the Eastern Conference finals or semifinals?
0: They, I, I think it was the finals because then – the Knicks, I think, played Houston. I believe in that year.
1: Yeah, and so um, you look at yeah. you look at what happens when the player leaves two, the team.
0: In regular season, there was a two game difference. The year Michael left, they had won fifty seven games with Michael. They won fifty five games without Michael. LeBron this is, James has never had a team that that could win fifty five games without him. Never. This
1: is this is the really cool thing that I that I think that get doesn't get looked at very, very much with this, this recent Laker championship is if you look at how the NBA was evolving, it's basically evolved to the, to the point where you put up as many threes as possible. There's no mid range jumper, the classic center, all the Patrick Ewing, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, that's Akeem gone. Akeem
0: Olajuwon, don't forget Akeem, Olajuwon, the dream, ever, ever. The dream,
1: yeah, okay. the dream. No, no, you're, you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Like, that player doesn't exist anymore. Or, actually, I don't want to say doesn't exist. It's very minimized to where it's almost extinct, the true center. That's where the NBA has what has it has become. And then you get the Lakers, who in the regular season probably had one of the worst three-point shooting percentages right over the playoff teams. Although in the playoffs, they had one of the best uh, in the playoffs, but they basically took what the NBA was, a small ball team. And they said, we're going to play bully ball. We're going to play bully ball. We're bigger than you. We're going to score in the paint and we're going to defend like crazy. And they just, in my opinion, in terms of where the NBA is until the whole scheme of offensive schemes and the types of player that they're using, totally turned that upside down. And so we're just going to beat you up. We're just going to beat you up at down low. We and can play so, small. We can play big, whatever it may be.
0: Yeah, and let me see where we're at on time. So we really – I was going to go over some more free agency. We're at an hour and 12 minutes. Um, A lot of things happened. Bam Adebayo got signed today by Miami. Um, he got a big deal. They're trying to save space because they want to bring in Giannis Antetokounmpo next year. And I'm told I just, I don't want to see three major, major stars on a team or, you know, or something like that. And I don't, to me, like a lot of people will say like Dwayne Wade and and James and Chris Bosh. I really don't think of Chris Bosh the way a lot of people do. Um, The Celtics, even, um, you know, with uh, Kevin Garnett Garnett and and Ray Ray Allen Allen and... um, Uh, um, Paul Pierce Paul Pierce yeah Um, so I you know I I really don't want to see three major major stars I don't I don't want to see three all-star starters you know like on this is
1: this is in a sense what DJ is saying Nick he's saying next time Khabib fights to make it competitive I don't don't want him to see to take people down (laughs) I just want to see him stand up and trade blows with people. Because you cannot compare. If, this
0: is a team because, sport, a league. Because,
1: because if Khabib does what he does, it's not going to be very competitive, and I don't want to see that. Hey, Will, this,
0: is, this would be like Tampa Bay having all these great offensive players and then them signing Antonio Brown. Like, that would never happen.
1: They just lost to the Los Angeles Rams.
0: <laughs> I know. Aaron Donald ain't playing, man. He's not playing, man. A
1: rookie picked Tom Brady in the fourth quarter on the on the final drive.
0: Yeah, I, I want a news flash to everybody out in the sports world. I know this is gonna shock everybody, so I would like everybody to sit down and take hold of something firm that's not moving. The Patriots success was probably a combination of both Tom Brady and the coaching of Bill Belichick. <gasps> <laughs> Did I shock anybody? Is everybody okay? Does anyone need, you know, their heart restarted? Uh, Yeah, because Bruce Arians is not, you know, if you gave uh Bill Belichick the Tampa Bay team, uh, forget about it, man. They'd be running away with the series. Uh, I'm not a huge.
1: With the, the NFL, like if you look at the NFL, how many times has the NFL been on the wrong side of history? A lot. Or, the organization. Like, yeah. it's popularity just amazes me how people are into it and all that. But it's just, to me, it's, they're always on the wrong side of history.
0: Oh, the NBA is so much more fun. I love, I love the NBA. It's like a year round sport, but uh, I don't want to bore everybody who came here. Um, to, to listen to MMA, but, but we love to get some MMA, NBA talk in there, baby. There's so a lot that happened in free agency. Rajon Rondo's gone. Uh, to the to the Hawks. Um, I, I was really looking forward to Gordon Haywood coming to the Knicks and that's why he's on the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, so a lot of things
1: another yeah. failure of Michael Jordan, the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> and the Washington Wizards. And pre Phil Jackson.
0: I know. He's such a he's such a great GM. He's he's put together some great teams. LeBron's an even even he's a better GM than Jordan. <laughs> So um yeah Montrez just- Harrell leaves the Clippers and comes to uh comes to, to the Lakers to replace White Howard.
1: That whole Clipper situation, you bring up Kawhi Leonard, and he's a really good player. He's a great but player. He, he's far from he's far from probably who you would want on your basketball team. Uh, so that I, guy that guy load managed that guy load managed and I think how they're doing load management is a really poor way of doing it first of all, but that that's a separate topic, but he load managed. And when he didn't, when he load managed, he didn't play games, but he also didn't practice. And he didn't even go to practice. I didn't know that. Yeah. He didn't even go to practice. And so like guys like Lou Williams and, and, and Montrez were getting heat because they're, they were thought of as the cancers of the team. But those are the dudes that are playing every single minute as hard as you can. Like you watch them play and you go, "Do that play? That guy plays hard every single game, every single minute." Wouldn't you be pissed too if a guy was load managing? You're not load managing; you're giving, you're, giving full intensity on the court every single time you could play, and he's not going to practice.
0: That that's a really good point. I didn't know that, so that's that's new information on me. Um, I just want to say. Uh, I really love Kawhi Leonard's game. I love what he brings. I don't. I think we've seen that again. You know, when he had to shoulder the burden, like what what James has d- uh, had to do for many years, and be the leader of a of a new team, and that hadn't been together, and be the leader in crunch time and in the bubble, and bring coalesce guys around the idea. A
1: team of, leader. He
0: was not able to right. do that.
1: Rather that's than it's different. Than being a number one option on the court, being a team leader. Yeah. And how can you say your team leader is not playing games, and is not going to practice?
0: That's a really good point. Because he's also loan managing. That's a really good point. Now, in the bubble. And then you
1: have Mr. Sensitive Paul George, who, if anything, if anyone gives any any (laughs) kind of feedback towards, he's gonna get all Mr. Pissy. Right. Well, that so, you
0: know, that's interesting. I mean, it's going to be next year. Will be a little bit of a referendum on playoff P, as he calls himself. So uh, next year will be a referendum because he the, the comments that he made at the post game press conference after they were uh, beaten by Denver were not. They were not very intelligent comments, uh, and not very thoughtful to an owner and a coach and teammates and fans that had an expectation of a championship. He's like, oh, man, I mean, it wasn't all about this year. It's like, no, actually, it was. (laughs) They they traded like eight draft, eight number one draft picks to get you over there.
1: The (laughs) other thing that's got to be super annoying if you're a Los Angeles Laker is the Clippers marketing before the season. When they said L- L-A-R-Way, like they were the underdog. They were the tough guys. They were mm-hmm. the blue-collar players. Yeah. It, they actually were not, right? right? If you look at Paul George <laughs> and Kawhi Leonard, you look at Le- what LeBron James said. He didn't sit out games. Like they wanted him to sit out games. He wasn't going to sit out games.
0: And then he sent out a tweet that said, like, check ball.
1: Yeah. Or something to,
0: to LeBron, man. So, and so it's uh, yeah, so it's I like that that yeah. was the
1: other thing. They were marketing themselves to be the the people's team in LA. Where it wasn't like that. This year the Lakers had the blue collar mentality, they had the glitz, they had the history, and they had the name power.
0: Well, yeah, if you guys want to hear a, an interview that's really interesting, listen to I think it was Jared Dudley. Post-NBA Finals went on with uh, Bill Simmons and maybe Ryan Rossillo and spent the better part of an hour talking about it. And it was very interesting. He said he talked about, you know, behind the scenes stuff. You know, yeah, there was some friction with LeBron and Rondo and sometimes Rondo and the coaches and what they asked him to do. And he said, but you know what? When we had a team event, 15 guys yeah. came to a dinner. 15 guys got together for drinking wine at the hotel. 15 guys came when we had a card game. And so those are pizza or, you know, things like that. I mean, very, very important stuff. And for Leonard, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that he's going to have to be able to do. When you don't have, uh, first of all, a, a, a Toronto team that had all been together except for you. It was just DeMar DeRozan got switched out for you. Or... When you were on a San Antonio team where you had a Tim Duncan that was a leader and a Mono Ginobili and a Tony Parker and a head coach that's been there for like 10, 15 years or more. So, and RC Slocum, the GM, you know, that's the the, the Spurs were kind of like another Bulls situation. So now you come to a new place, you got a new coach, got new teammates. Now is when you're going to have to show can you do like Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Lord Thomas? the uh, Pistons bad boy and coalesce a group of guys around what you're doing. I'm not saying he can't. I'm not going to be that guy. I think Kawhi has an absolutely amazing game. I think he's a pretty amazing person. But to when you're a Max Kellerman that's saying that he's better than LeBron James, this is his time of year, he's load managing because he's going to show up in the finals and he's going to defeat a LeBron James. Well, guess what, buddy? He didn't even get to the finals.
1: Now and You know you know what's awesome about load management? It's supposed to allow you to peak for the playoffs. Right. I don't feel we got much different of a player.
0: Well, I, I want to speak to that really quick. The The bubble in itself, to me, is nothing that, and I've said this to you guys, I think, off air, is nothing more than every military guy who's been on deployment. You go on deployment and every day is the same. You go to work or you go flying. And at least for me in my last, uh, I don't know how many deployments, uh, some I got to fly. So at least I was off the base, you know, going and doing stuff. But if you're doing some sort of a support role on a base, uh, or even if you're a maintenance technician or something, every day is the same. And that's what the NBA bubble was like. And it's like, can you perform when you don't have your wife, you don't have your girlfriend. You're not getting laid every night. You don't get to see your children and give them a hug and a kiss and, and get that warmth. You're the, It's business only for 90 days. And that's what those guys went through in the bubble. And I, I don't envy them. I don't say it's easy. But now you know what military life's like, except you don't get your own hotel room. You're sharing rooms with somebody else. So it's not it's still way worse than what the bubble is <laughs> okay however you feel the same every day's groundhog day and and obviously there were teams that made it into something more than what it, when it was and LeBron and those guys and other teams Denver and other squads are like look we're here it sucks but we're getting paid a lot of money to be here and we're <laughs> and and it's gonna be boring but we're just going to make the best of a bad situation which is exactly what you do when you go on a military deployment and essentially the NBA bubble was was uh was uh this guy's military deployment.
1: Yeah, and on top of that what they did for the country at a time where man, they were showing reruns of every possible thing that you could imagine.
0: Korean baseball and yeah. Right, yeah, they're showing Korean <laughs> baseball they and were.
1: And they're showing oh like co- competitive cornhole, mm-hmm. and I think oh, I com- competitive tag, right? <laughs> like they're showing things <laughs> like that, and which says, which says something for competitive jujitsu. Competitive jujitsu still hasn't been on any kind of yeah, ESPN, 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 ESPN two, ESPN yeah, plus. Yeah. But they're showing competitive tag and cornhole I on ESPN. Um, I, I don't know what that says for the networks or governing bodies of jujitsu, but it says something really bad if those other things are going on but what they did to allow people to be entertained during a time when people were seeking any type of live live entertainment Um, so you have to a lot of people huge
0: respect for them
1: yeah a lot of people played their parts right like you always obviously talk about health workers and things like that but even from it i think this experience the pandemic has exposed many weaknesses of our, of our American society. And one of the things that helped with one of those weaknesses was the fact that they could provide the country, whether you like the NBA or not, um, they provided them they entertainment.
0: It, right. it was brilliant. Them and the UFC, the UFC was able to keep going uh, and uh, either in the country or out of the country and the NBA. And those are uh, two of the bright spots that we had. So uh Thank goodness for both the sports that we love here and that we uh, talk about here, MMA, UFC, Bellator, Bellator actually didn't, didn't uh, not, not till maybe a month or two ago, they started to uh, put on cards again and um, and the NBA really kept us entertained. So thank God for all those guys. We do appreciate you uh, uh, all the fighters, every single one of you and we appreciate all the NBA players as well who, who were able to say goodbye to their families and go in that bubble and and perform, which was uh, absolutely brilliant basketball. I loved it, so it was phenomenal. Nick, I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, I know you're you know you chimed in. I thought you did really well.
1: He was sleeping, DJ. Did no, you see?
0: I, no, were your eyes? <laughs> he was closed? sleeping.
1: Dude, yeah, are was. you
0: sleeping with your eyes open.
1: Hey, is that an Asian no, joke? Not sleeping. No. Was that an Asian joke, DJ? No, it wasn't. Hey,
0: man. I was like Nick, would be like.
2: He's put out oh! those windshield wipers. I can't no. see.
0: <laughs> no, you did. You did good. You chimed in with certain stuff, and uh, I dug it, man. So thank you very much. And uh, any parting shots you have for us, Nick? Anything uh, MMA related?
2: MB? Uh, uh, no. Uh, there's a good card coming in two weeks, I think. But we'll talk about it. Probably yeah,
0: it's week. gonna be. Uh, I think all the guys. Mike. He- oh, by the way, Mike Heck. Of MMA fighting, who I I love his content, Mike. I will bet you on Chimaev Leon Edwards. You saying who who who's yeah, going to take yeah, a flyer in that? Perfect. I'll I'll go with you. We can go twenty bucks, forty bucks, sixty bucks if you want. Um, <laughs> I got I got Chimaev as much as I love Leon Edwards. Um, will has maybe, Nick made has has has, has Nick
1: made a decision on that fight yet? Because last Nick, are you last episode a- he was just like being tortured over that decision over it.
0: Because Nick is a hardcore. In Nick, in, in Nick's Leon a hardcore. Go ahead, man.
2: Hey, man. You know, have what, you decided yet, Nick? Uh, I gotta watch some tape on. <laughs> <That's Leon again. laughs> He's not, you're non-committal, <laughs> Nick. At this At this
0: rate, you and Jesse Jess are never getting married, man. Until you're ready to commit, man.
2: <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I'm I'm I got cold feet, man. What what can slide I slide into those DMs, <laughs> baby? <laughs> All
0: right, will parting shots. Love it.
1: I got none. I think I spoke a lot about. Um, yeah, you did great, man.
0: You did great tonight.
1: Just looking, looking forward to the to the um, to the next episode. What are we doing for the next episode? We got any life coming up, dude? I want to bring. I
0: have people I want to bring on, man. We just gotta. We need to have. So here's what we need, and everybody can hear me say this. Uh, by the way, it's at um dr W-I-L-L-W-U at Dr. Will Woo at Eats Thrash on Twitter and at MMA underscore BJJ underscore and life all caps on Twitter for us. And um, we need to have our like our 10-minute phone conversation on Sunday so I could start working guests for Tuesday because you don't want to do it 24 hours ahead of time. So uh, let's talk on Sunday, whatever time you guys want. Let's just text each other so we can get that going. Okay. All
1: right. Sunday. Sunday. I'm All hoping right. you to be in a food coma still on Sunday. I know, <laughs> man.
0: I know it's gonna be hard. I, yeah. Let me. Let me. I'm gonna end the show so I can just tell you guys something really quick. So everybody, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate you. Uh, shout at us. Tell us what you got to say. Uh, and for Dr. Will Wu and Nick Cazono, this is DJ San Marco saying one love, peace out, and we'll see you
1: down the road. Happy Thanksgiving.